Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 6, 13 through 20, called, We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul. If you know someone who is trustworthy and true to their word, that's a good thing. I hope and pray that that's who we are. But mankind, not so trustworthy, right? Uh, He could be fickle. He might be trustworthy. We just don't know. But God made a promise to Abraham, and no one in the universe is greater than God. So when a man or a woman makes a promise, they might say, uh, I swear to God, or I cross my heart, or maybe you got something from the Boy Scouts or whatever that you do. And that's all to try to ensure that someone believes us. But God, there's no one greater than God, so he can't swear by anybody, right? He can't take an oath by anybody higher than himself. So he swore by himself. And why would God do that? Why would God make a promise like that and take an oath when he doesn't need to? Joshua 21.45 says not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All of them came to pass, Joshua 21, 45. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says, for as many as may be the promises of God, in him they are yes, wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. But when the promise was made to Abraham, especially the early promise reiterated in Genesis 22, it looked extremely bleak. The promise given to Abraham was that he would have an heir from his own body. You remember? He was married to a lady named Sarah. And when he received the promise, he lived in the land of Haran. Let's flip over to Genesis 12 just so we can get our bearings. So the very first book of your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abraham dominates these chapters. And here's what happens. Uh, Abraham, known as Abram at this time, uh, his family, he, he comes from uh, one of the sons of Noah. I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been Shem. And his, somewhere along the line, his parents embraced paganism. And so they uh, were into idolatry. Joshua 24 tells us that they serve the gods of the pagans. But God called to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth, 12-1, from your country, from your relatives, from your house, to the land which I will show you, and I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. If you go down to verse 6 of the same chapter, So Abram now moving, and he uh, comes to Shechem. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. So he first of all gets the promise in Haran in 12, 1 through 3. Now he's moving to Shechem. Now the Canaanite was uh, then in the land, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land, a reiteration of the promise And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
Now, as time goes by, uh, Abraham, you know, he's married to Sarah. And uh, when the, the promise first comes, Abram is 75 years old. He's no spring chicken, as we might say, right? He qualifies for many discounts at local restaurants. He gets letters from AARP. Uh, he gets those phone calls from Social Security about how you figure out and calculate and all that stuff, right? And so, <laughs> amen, we got, a, we got an amen out there. So Abraham um, is going through some stuff and he, uh, the story unfolds and, and he's taken on these kings. Uh, David shared this with us in Genesis 14. And he had to save his nephew Lot, and all of that went pretty well. And he met this mysterious figure named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is the major subject, uh, starting in uh, really Hebrews chapter 5. And we are, in our text right now, we're in a digression. The author of Hebrews picked up the theme of Melchizedek, this mysterious Old Testament figure, and then he digressed from it in Hebrews chapter 6, and he'll pick it up in Hebrews 7 again. I would call this a glorious digression, although I would say the first part of Hebrews 6, it was a bit of a painful digression, (laughs) because we know we were in that very difficult text last time, right? Impossible to renew them to repentance, and what's that? And hopefully you got a chance to listen to that message. And so he meets this Melchizedek in 1418 of Genesis, king of Salem. There's bread and wine, and there's a a temptation for Abraham and so forth, and he overcomes it. And Abram, Abram says these words. This is 1422 of Genesis. He said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, he had an oath of his own, possessor of heaven and earth, 1423, I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear you would say I made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. And then you have the names right there. Now after these things, Genesis 15, 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Abram, do not fear or do not fear Abram. That tells me he was probably afraid. Maybe he was battle-weary, fatigued. Maybe he revisited this promise over and over again over the years. I'm getting older. We're past the normal time of childbearing. What's going to happen? I'm sure he had questions. I'm sure there was fear, like we all experience. And God said, I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, oh, Lord, what will you give me since I'm childless And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. I know you made the promise, but there's no child. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said to him and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them, And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now remember, this is a guy who's old and has no kids. And God takes him outside and says, look up. And I want you to imagine a star-filled sky in places that are very rare today. But if you're up in the mountains or the desert, let's say, or you went somewhere where you could see a ton of stars. Imagine just for a moment that you're Abram. You walk out. You look up. 
There's no competing lights, if you will, in the ancient world. And you see all these stars. And God says, from your body, a child is coming. And descendants from that child will be as numerous as the stars that you see up in the sky right now. And Abram's got to be going, man, that sounds good. But how's that possible? I don't even have a kid. I mean, that's a promise. That's a, that's a great promise. But on what basis could I believe it? And God said, well, this is what your descendants are going to be. And here's what Abram did. He believed in the Lord, Genesis 15, 6. And he, God, reckoned it, the belief, to Abram as righteousness. Basically, what happened is Abram did something like this. Okay, if that's what you say, then I'm going to believe it. That's the word of God. I'm going to stand upon it. I don't get it. I don't understand. How much of our lives are spent that way? A good portion of them, right? I do a lot of that. I see things happen. I, I don't understand all the connections. I can't always fill in all the dots. But I'm standing on promises because I know the promise maker is a promise keeper. Amen? He's the ultimate promise keeper. And I believe him. I've chosen to believe him. And I believe there's good evidence for me to believe him. For example, all the prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. I believe all the prophecies about the second coming will come to pass. So I'm not talking about blind faith here. Abram obviously is being courted by God, if you will. He's told to look up. God made every star. He knows them all by name. And he says, this is what's going to happen. He said, to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, the, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. Now, Abram still has doubts, and he says, Oh Lord, how may I know that I will possess it? And then all of a sudden, I'm not going to go through the text, but God asks for animals and birds, and he cuts the parts, and a covenant is cut. And if you remember this text, and you go back and read it devotionally, Abram's put into a, he falls asleep and God passes through the parts of the cut animals. When you study the word covenant, it literally means to cut. It's the Hebrew word barit. Covenant means to cut. And basically, here's what's going on. God appearing as a smoking oven passes through the animal parts. You could say Abram is just simply a casual observer, if you will. God passes through, and what God is basically saying is this. If I don't keep my word, may I be as these animal parts that have been cut in half. He makes what we would call an unconditional covenant based upon God and God alone. Usually, the, both the parties would walk through the parts together. They would seal it in the blood of the animals. They would walk you know, one party, two party, let's just say arm in arm. They'd walk through the animal parts. Not this time. Only God did it. And that's why we call it an unconditional covenant. Simply based upon the faithfulness of God alone. I will be true to my word. Now, as time passes, uh, Abraham is getting older and older and older. And the promise is reiterated uh, on several different occasions uh, we just, we've, we've read a few of those, but now Abraham is 100 years old. And you all know, and this is not mentioned by our writer, but you know they had a little slip up. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? And visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. And you will get this content through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm. And that took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. (laughs) There was infidelity. Just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of, of yes. why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, yeah. the, the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word yeah. as a Christian. Yeah. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. Yeah. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And basically, here's what's going on. God, appearing as a smoking oven, passes through the animal parts. You could say Abram is just simply a casual observer, if you will. God passes through, and what God is basically saying is this. If I don't keep my word, may I be as these animal parts that have been cut in half. He makes what we would call an unconditional covenant based upon God and God alone. Usually the, both the parties would walk through the parts together. They would seal it in the blood of the animals. They would walk, you know, one party, two party, let's just say arm in arm. They'd walk through the animal parts. Not this time, only God did it. And that's why we call it an unconditional covenant, simply based upon the faithfulness of God alone. I will be true to my word. Now, as time passes, uh, Abraham is getting older and older and older, and the promise is reiterated uh, on several different occasions. Uh, we just, we've, we've read a few of those, but now Abraham is 100 years old. And you all know, and this is not mentioned by our writer, but you know they had a little slip up. Because they, uh, Sarah came to Abraham and said, all right, it looks like nothing's happening, so why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? And Abraham, that great godly man, said, okay. (laughs) And of course, we know that a child was birthed from that, and his name was Ishmael. But the writer doesn't talk about that. 
But eventually the child of promise arrived 25 years later. From 75 till Abraham was 100 and Sarah's 90. And the child comes. And you know what his name was? Isaac, the Hebrews would say Isaac. His name means laughter. (laughs) I mean, the best kind of laughter, like, yeah, really? 25 years. Some of you can't wait 25 minutes for something. Some of you, not 25 seconds. Remember the drive-thru clock? I had issues with that clock. It would hit like two minutes and 25 seconds and I would be thinking, did they go to Mexico for my burrito? What's going on back in that kitchen? That clock was counterproductive in my world. So the child comes, Isaac is here. The promise to the reality. Isn't it beautiful when you see promises become reality right before your eyes and you're like, wow, Lord, you're so good. I've had a few occasions in my life where You know, I felt like the Lord promised me something and then it came to pass and I was like, oh, you do abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. You're so good. I've had a few of those, brethren, and I'll tell you, and I'm talking about like, you know, watershed major moments in my life where I'm like, wow, God is good. And so here's laughter. And we know that he didn't get along with his brother and we know some of that story. But all of a sudden, one day, God says, now you take that son, that only son, that son of promise that you love and take him to a mountain I'm going to show you. And I want you to kill him and offer him as a burnt offering to me. Now you want to talk about going from the promise to a storm. Let's call it the storm of Mount Moriah. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're basking in the laughter of the promise realized, only to hear God instruct you to do what? To take the child of promise, the miracle baby, and offer him to God on some mountain? And indeed, if you flip over to Genesis 22, that's precisely what Abraham did. He honored God, or I should say he attempted to do And so God calls to Abram, and I just want to, and now his name is Abraham, and now um, they're walking up the hill. Genesis 22, 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. Genesis 22, 6. He took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so the two of them walked on together. And Isaac, laughter, spoke to Abraham, and he said, my father... He said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. And then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham Abraham built the altar there and he arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac. Abraham, remember, he's an old dude right now. So Isaac could have taken him. But he submitted. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We can't help but think of the cross here. And Abraham stretched out his hand, the father ready to take out the son of promise. He took the knife to slay his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind him. Sometimes the promises of God are there. They're just not in our sight line. Behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. What a great prophetic word pointing forward to Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord called Abraham, Abraham a second time from heaven. And notice, most believe the angel of the Lord is Jesus before he was born in Bethlehem, second person of the Holy Trinity. He said, by myself, here's our quote now, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, here's the promise in Hebrews 6, indeed, I will greatly bless you I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In you, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now it was the, back to Hebrews 6, the Mount Moriah incident that caused God to swear the oath to Abraham. He said, now I'm going to swear by myself. I'm going to swear an oath that I will bless you. Now, this was a reiteration of a former promise, right? It was promised to Abraham many years before and reiterated and reiterated again. And Pastor Michael is going to run out of time so quickly tonight. I just looked at the clock and I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So... Abraham gets this promise where God swears the oath. It's like doubly assured, which is really cool, isn't it? It's like a a double assurance. Not that we need it from God, but he did it anyway. And so Abraham has these promises. Those are the quotes in Hebrews 6, verses 13 and 14. We just read the quotes from Genesis 22, 16 and 17, okay? And so... 615 of Hebrews, thus having patiently waited, Abraham patiently waited, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? Well, the promise was certainly of a child, a miracle child, that is Isaac, but the promise was more than that. Do you remember? It was descendants that would outnumber the stars and the sand, and in that seed, all the nations would be blessed. And do you know Abraham was still living when Jacob and Esau were born? And he saw them be born. And Jacob was renamed later in his life to Israel. He had 12 sons. They make up the 12 tribes. One of them is the tribe of Judah, through whom, who's coming? Messiah. That's how all the nations of the world are blessed in this seed is because the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the seed of Messiah. 
This is the channel, the family through whom God has decided to save the world. That's why he called Abraham. That's why he, why he called Isaac. That's why he called Jacob. That's why he made these promises. That's why he did an oath on top of the promise to doubly assure it because we sitting here, whatever we may face, whether we live in the first century, the 21st century, or some other century, could anchor our hope to a God who's doubly assured that Jesus Christ is our hope and our anchor. Amen? You've been listening to We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 6, 13-20, called We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.